You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Good morning and welcome to Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word this morning. It's the second time we're going through the book of Psalm 20. Sandy, welcome back to the mic. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'll be depending more on your voice today because mine is not really here. <laughs> right. <laughs> second round of whatever it is in the middle of winter. Cold, flu, or something has got my voice pretty much in the basement right now. So I apologize if I sound like I'm whispering too much. Well, you sound fine. Much better than you did a few days ago, that's for sure. Let's take another read of this psalm. I mean, I'd like to jump straight to some other themes. I mean, anytime we put a new lens on the scripture, we're going to find something new that was Mm -hmm. always there to start with. Right. Well, I like that we read through different translations of the same chapter and same verses several times. That way, it gives us a different perspective. It kind of expands our boundaries, if you will. And anytime you're reading scripture, friends, this is if you're alone by yourself in the prayer closet, it's you, the word, and what the Father's writing on your heart. Even if you're sitting alone right now hearing our voices, it's not just the three of us right now. It is God with you if you really want him to be there. Well, I would add to that another person of the Trinity, and that would be the Holy Spirit, (laughs) who helps us to interpret into our own heart language. Three and one becomes four in the room. Yeah. So let's go ahead and read again through the book of Psalm 20. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Psalm 20, a song of trust for the pure and shining one for the end times by King David. In your day of danger, may the Lord answer and deliver you. May the name of the God of Jacob set you safely on high. May supernatural help be sent from his sanctuary. May he support you from Zion's fortress. May he remember every gift you have given him and celebrate every sacrifice of love you have shown him. Pause in his presence. May God give you every desire of your heart and carry out your every plan as you go to battle. When you succeed, we will celebrate and shout for joy. Flags will fly when victory is yours. Yes, God will answer your prayers and we will praise him. I know God gives me all that I ask for and brings victory to his anointed king. My deliverance cry will be heard in his holy heaven. By his mighty hand, miracles will manifest through his saving strength. Some find their strength in their weapons and wisdom. But my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is in the Lord our God, who makes us strong and gives us victory. Our enemies will not prevail. They will only collapse and perish in defeat while we rise up, full of courage. Give victory to our King, O God. The day we call on you, give us your answer. The perspective seems to be David rallying the troops to ask God for victory for the whole nation. Mm. My perspective coming into this was, I want to know again who's writing us and to whom and about what and for the benefit of who. We have to approach scripture that way because we're looking across thousands of years of history, culture, language, and change in the world around us. And yet there's something eternal about what's happening in this scene. I think the mistake that a lot of modern readers make is that we think about everything being about personal piety. That Mm -hmm. we are wanting God to do something for us. We want him to be shown in our lives. We want to know what he's doing through our eyes and our own hearts and ears and and feelings. But this is very much a community psalm. Mm -hmm. He's speaking as a representative of the people. And David is now assuming the role of kingship in writing this. It is on one level him saying, God, give your anointed king, me, the victory right here, right Mm -hmm. now. On behalf of your people because of what they've done. They've worshipped you. They've stayed steadfast. We've come to you. 
And there's a lot of hope and aspiration in that, that our God will come to our defense. Yeah, I think one of the things that we can get trapped in is assuming that this is about how God's going to respond to me when I pray. Yeah. And there will always be something I get out of it. And we run the risk of getting very angry when we read this because yeah. we can say things like, well, God didn't give me the desires of my heart. God didn't answer that prayer the way I wanted. My enemies have victory over me and I am in a bad place. If we're not careful, we can twist this to be about how God doesn't respond to us. Even the internal enemies that we struggle with, not those that are outside of us pushing in, but those that are inside of us pushing out— can be overwhelming Mm. and can seem like they're controlling us rather than being controlled by us. So I would just caution not to read it in the way that you were just suggesting that, you know, the personal piety and that this is all about me. It is not. It is about how God rallies around those who call to him for help. And God sees us and brings us through things into victory, but it may not look like what we expect it to look like. Yeah. The community is one in this sense because it's one community of faith. Mm -hmm. So if we see this through the lens of the worldwide kingdom of God, that's millions or billions of souls on this earth at any given time Mm -hmm. that are one in him. And whether we get it when we go to visit somebody else who worships differently than we do, but Jesus is at the center of what they're speaking of and what they're worshiping, We have to acknowledge that God knows how he's communicating with them. And it's not our place to judge it or to say they're doing it right or wrong. It's for us to discover what God's already doing in them Mm -hmm. so we can see the evidence of that. We draw strength when we see God at work amongst others. Yeah, we should. We can grow rather myopic in thinking, if it didn't happen for me, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some people have felt false guilt over that over the years. I haven't experienced the Holy Spirit like you have. Therefore, something must be wrong with my faith, Mm -hmm. or God doesn't love me, or whatever. We end up following a lie trail. Well, we can also accuse people of not pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps because they're in in dire straits, or because they're in a state of depression, or they're in a downtrodden place, or they're being persecuted, or whatever. We can accuse people of that if we're not careful. If we subscribed to the premise that God's going to answer everything the way we want him to. To our satisfaction. He's not like this genie in a bottle that we can rub and let him out when we need something, you know, when we have a wish to be granted. I think we often will respond to people saying that, well, you know, God's not your genie. Well, yeah, I agree with that intellectually, but God, I'm going to rub your bottle here for a while because I really do want this thing. I want it. I don't want to go there. Like, please don't send me to Africa to be Mm -hmm. a missionary. I mean, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that we have in our hearts as a fear or as a desire or as something that is other than letting God be first, we're going to be dissatisfied with the answer. You know, that first verse, it says Yahweh will answer you in times of trouble. Mm-hmm. You're talking about troubling times in our own hearts, things that we've probably done to trouble ourselves yeah, or that we've let other things around us crowd us to a point where that's all we can see is the trouble and not the God who has me in it. Mm-hmm. I was just reading an article this morning about one of these missionaries that had been taken hostage mm-hmm. and was negotiated out and was released to the American authorities eventually after two years in prison simply for being a pastor. And we'll do some programs on that one in the near future, I think. But he admits that while he was in his first year of captivity, that it was a breaking, deconstructing time for him. His faith was absolutely floored. And he admits that he didn't feel God in it at all. In retrospect, he says, there were times when I could be able to say to other prisoners, someone must be praying for me because I should be a lot worse off than I am. Mm. So it wasn't a matter of feeling comfort in coziness or intimacy like we would have before. But in that desperation, you don't see it. 
even in retrospect, it still doesn't look all that great. But you have to acknowledge that even when I was at my most desperate, God was doing something. Mm-hmm. I do pray that we don't have to get to the point where we're completely stripped of everything just to discover that God is God, yeah. that he's one of the sovereign. You know, we don't have any right to expect that God's going to answer our prayers for comfort. There is a comforter. And that is the Holy Spirit. But even that personhood of God gets to choose how he comforts us. It may not be the way we asked for. But yet, he says in verse 1 here, Yahweh will answer you in times of trouble. And we have to believe, or we have to choose to believe, that the Holy Spirit is deeply and intimately acquainted with our needs and with our even deepest desires, deeper than we may even understand ourselves. We talked last week about groanings too deep for words. Exactly. When we ask to be comforted, when we ask for the desires of our heart to be met, we can get into trouble thinking that we actually know what those things are on the deepest level. And if we're not really searching our hearts and really in tune or in touch with our inner spiritual life, then we do present this false idea of what our desires are and what our needs are and what our troubles are even. Releasing those things, releasing our own expectations of our own desires is important in these kind of situations where we think, okay, I'm in really big trouble and I need God to free me. And Psalm 20 says he's going to meet me in my troubled place. He's going to grant the desires of my heart. Well, Okay, but you have to go a little deeper than that. What if the desires of our hearts are not the desires of his heart? Do we have to adjust that first and get on his wavelength before we can actually see him answer prayer? Or does he answer prayer with a big old fat no sometimes when we're asking Mm -hmm. him out of our own ambition? Yeah. I don't have a clear answer to that. I think it could be different in different situations. But I do think that God somehow makes prayer be honest. If we're just throwing falsehoods at God about who we think he is or demand him to be— it's going to feel like it's ricocheting off the wall Mm -hmm. because it can't sink into God's heart. He can't admit a falsehood or a lie into himself because he's not of lies. We have a father of lies that we read about in the scripture, but it ain't God. Mm -hmm. God is always operating from perspective of reality and truth. All that stuff flows from him. Mm -hmm. The bad can't flow into him. In Jesus, it was beat out upon him, but it didn't change the nature of God to have to become sin for man. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those great mysteries we'll always struggle with on this earth and in some way just be humbled by the fact that God allowed sin to become him, but not to undo him to the point where he's no longer God. Mm-hmm. But there's something about a rending in his own heart. He allowed, he allowed all the stuff that we're going through to touch him. And that is really mysterious to me. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about an anointed one here in the bottom half of this chapter. I want to go to that next. Well, I like what you said when we were talking about this before we started recording. You see this as being maybe not overtly, but kind of covertly prophetic about Mm -hmm. Jesus. When we get to verse 6 especially, we've gone through these steps. We've acknowledged that we're in trouble. We have acknowledged that God, Yahweh, Elohim, is our God, as he was the God of Jacob. We bring our offerings to him as prescribed in the scriptures. We give to him what he says to give to him. After those offerings have been done, in verse 4 it says, He will give you your heart's desire and carry out all your plans. That's almost a really dangerous thing to say because what, again, if our plans are wrong? What if they're selfish? Yeah, what I was alluding to earlier. Right. In verse 5 then it says, We will joyfully sing about your victory. We will have our flags waving at the name of Elohim, and Yahweh will fulfill all your requests. It's great celebration, but it's something that happens in anticipation, mm-hmm. right? This isn't a after-victory party. Well, I think we talked about last week, this is a hopeful statement. These are yes. words of blessing that David is speaking over the people. May it be May so. May these things happen to you, and then we'll rejoice. So there are things about celebrating God's victory that we have to do 
by faith mm-hmm. at times we don't feel like the victory is imminent mm-hmm. or that he even will deliver, but we still do it because our sacrifice of praise to him at times when we don't feel it is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. At times we don't feel like the victory is imminent Mm -hmm. or that he even will deliver. We still do it because our sacrifice of praise to him at times when we don't feel it is a real thing. Mm -hmm. But it's the next thing that really captures me about that shift that I think he's trying to make with the entire psalm. Now I know that Yahweh will give victory to his anointed king. Mm-hmm. We've gone through this thinking it's about us and about us even together asking God to deliver us from our time of trouble. But then David, as a king, says this. On behalf of his people, he's going to go out there and lead to a great victory. He's asking God to live up to the prayers of his people and give him as a king victory. But if you read beyond that, is this still scripture for us if David is now dead and in the ground? And if so, in what way does Yahweh give victory to his anointed king? Well, if we telescope in the future a bit here, this is obviously, in my mind, a prophecy of the anointed one, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been pretty clear to scholars throughout the years that that's been true. David has been seen as the archetype, the prototype of the kind of king that Jesus would become. One who's victorious in all he does and wins his battles and is amongst the people. So if we're praying in such a way that even if we don't see the victory in our own time, in our own time frame, in our own situation, the way we defined it to be, is there a sense that in giving our sacrifice of praise, in obeying God's call to worship him and follow him, even if we don't benefit ourselves, we feel it was still right to do so? Mm-hmm. Well, I think in David's time, it was pretty clear that even if I don't survive this battle, if the king goes on to win the victory, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Looking a thousand years forward to Jesus, they couldn't have even comprehended what Jesus would have been like or what that really would mean to have a conquering king, a suffering savior, be a victor. Mm-hmm. Not even on the radar. Yeah. But for us, looking back at the cross, is absolutely the only thing that makes any sense about how the Bible could be unified in one person of Jesus. When Yahweh is promised to us that he will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty deeds of his powerful hand, well, some may rely on chariots and others' horses, but we will boast in the name of Yahweh, our Elohim. The enemies will sink and fall. I would say there's an aspect of this where us just praying Jesus into the situation is a epiphany. 
Mm. It's a revelation as we're expecting God to deliver not just us, but to deliver, period. And it means that we acknowledge the power, the honor, and the glory doesn't go to us for having gone through it. It goes to his anointed. We are called and we are consecrated, but Jesus is the anointed. Mm. In our situation where our troubles exist today in this era, in our lifetimes, Can we pray in such a way that we can claim that promise that our God, the one who has saved us, made us the church, is in fact going to hand over to his son, even now, the tools of victory and tell him, go out there and win this battle. Mm. If you're getting out of bed in the morning, if you are dealing with some long-term illness even, or if you have a loss or a thing you're mourning, some big change in your life, whatever the situation is that would get you to look at something else other than the king, In that situation, can we turn back and tell God, you promised David, you promised me, but it's not that you're going to empower me, it's that you're going to unleash your son to do his work. And simply because he's here, I know that I have victory too. Hmm. If we are allowing ourselves to humble ourselves at the foot of Jesus saying, we don't get it, we don't know how you're going to solve this problem, we don't know how you are going to exalt yourself, bring glory to yourself, but I trust that you will, and I trust that when you do, it'll be good for me too. Mm-hmm. We see the victory shout from the cross, even in verse six, where he says, my deliverance cry will be heard in this holy heaven. Mm-hmm. I see that as Jesus gives himself up yeah. at that point. It's it is that, finished. That is the victory cry that we can hang on to that. Right. It's finished. It's done. All of the stuff, all of the mess is covered and taken care of. By his mighty hand, miracles will manifest. And we see that in the person of Jesus throughout his ministry, mm-hmm. the miracles and the works of God that he did and, and the beauty of his relationships here on earth yeah. and how he walked with people, he sat with people, he ate with people, he laughed, he joked, he cried. Yeah. He was the ultimate of humans. And yet we see that in this victory cry from the cross, it's finished and it's taken care of. And you don't have to trust in horses and chariots or your weapons of war. Or your bank account or, or your education exactly. or your society or, or your culture. Or your friend list on yeah. Facebook. You can <laughs> yeah, trust you that the God of the universe is watching out over all these things. And, and holds you up. And we can trust that. You know, other parts of scripture talk about mocking death. Mm. Death, where is your victory? Mm-hmm. Where is your sting? Really? Or all that you tried to do to us, death. We have the victory over you. Mm-hmm. So I guess that it's a fair thing to ask of God, God, where is the death in my life? And where is the victory over that that you want? Mm. Well, if that's the only reason Jesus came, to conquer death mm. and to bring that victory and take the sting out of it, that's great. Yep. It's not the only reason he came. No, but it would be enough. But yep. that is a great reason for him to come. Because like you were just saying, honey, we have so many different kinds of deaths in our lives. Yes that we experience daily, that we experience on a week-to-week basis. You and I were talking to a really dear friend of ours just recently, and someone that he knows and loves very much is in the depths of depression Mm -hmm. and in a very dark place. He said, you know, we just write it out. We just trust that there's going to be an ending. There's going to be a light at the end of this. We trust because we've seen the faithfulness of God throughout our life. And we've known that these things come, these things happen. And yet, we know that through the trouble, God is there. In the trouble, God is there. And the victory cry of Jesus tells us 
that ultimately it is finished and ultimately it is healed and whole. The New Testament does a good job of helping us to understand that the only death that's worth pursuing is the death to self. And it doesn't mean that you cease to exist. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is the rebellion in you, Mm -hmm. the insurrection against God, the part of our heart Mm -hmm. that is always bent towards self-service at the expense of others. That's the one that's worth putting to death and allowing God to work that out in us so that we are not just useful to him, but that we're at peace, peace with us and peace with God, Mm -hmm. because we've given up the struggle against him and for ourselves. And we discover, as they say, perfect freedom in submitting to the God of the universe because he's a good God. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to be left with a kind of slavery that makes us abject tools of a despot. We are given a real freedom Mm -hmm. in him. That's one of those great paradoxes of the faith. How do we actually experience real freedom? Well, you give up your rights. (laughs) It doesn't seem to make sense. No, it doesn't at all. But there is real truth in that, especially for those who have experienced it personally, saying, I was a prisoner to the thing that I I thought was freedom for me. It wasn't. It was death. Mm -hmm. And his life brings us the awareness of that. I would say because the word promises us that the spirit of the living Christ indwells the follower of Jesus, that we have his spirit within us, not just out there somewhere around us. In some ways, we already possess life in abundance beyond imagination. Mm -hmm. And therefore... Death stands no chance in us eventually, and yet we struggle in the meantime. Mm. But there's still not just a promise, but a down payment, a deposit already in us. If we ask him to reveal it to us in our own hearts, that is a very personal thing. It is just him and me, but it's real. And when I spend any time at all contemplating God's presence in me or around me, I have to acknowledge, wow, I'm thinking differently when I think about that. Yeah, absolutely. I see the world differently when I think about that. I sing different songs when I sing to him. Mm-hmm. My speech is sweetened in some ways. <laughs> the way I speak to others changes after I speak with him. Yeah. And that's a good, good thing. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking for real victory, these names that are mentioned in this scripture, Psalm 20 is us tapping into the real power, the real victory, which was already accomplished since eternity. Mm-hmm. But we have other stories to tell about how that eternal victory comes to life and wins many other victories right here and now. So I would say it's not a bad thing at all to say, God, we're in distress. Help us. Yeah. Deliver us. Right. And he will because we're promised that. But we're also given a promise based on the context of he will reveal his victory through his anointed. Not just because we asked for it, but because Jesus showed up. So we probably better start with asking Jesus to show up first. Yeah, I think we look at scriptures like this. There are those that may say things like, well, this can't be real. This can't really happen because Mm -hmm. what about the people that are persecuted for their faith that we read about in the news or that we see stories about from folks like Voice of the Martyrs? Unless you have a conversation with those people, you don't know what kind of victory God is lavishing on them. Yeah. We can't see it. have words for. Right. And we assume Mm. oftentimes, I'm speaking in broad strokes here, but we assume that when bad things happen, that God is not listening. Or that he's judging. Or that he's judging others. And meeting out punishment. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard just sitting down with believers in some of these countries where persecution is very persistent, how they pray for believers in the West to experience persecution Mm. so that they can experience the presence of God. And that scares me every time I hear him pray that way. Yeah, it does, except that I don't think we necessarily have to experience the kind of persecution that they are experiencing to feel the presence of God. And know that we would be able to reach that place of that same submission to Jesus that doesn't require us to have it (laughs) 
circumstances beat it out of us. Right. But, but it if, is humbling. Yeah. But there are plenty of beautiful people that we've seen that have never caused offense, mm-hmm. have no reason in our minds to have any suffering at all. And yet, for some reason, God allows them to be ones that suffer. Mm-hmm. So I can't question God's motives on that because I just don't know. Well, I think it's the world, too. It's the place we live. (laughs) And I don't pray persecution upon anybody because I'm not the one to decide who has to suffer for whatever reason anyway. I would have chosen Jesus if I had been the God to design this whole plan. I would have figured out something else to make it much more simple that doesn't require us to give up. You know, the kind of gods that we invent are the ones that make us look good. Mm. God does not worry, I think, too much about how good we look. He does care very much about truth and love and reality of his presence in us being the thing we end up with, Mm -hmm. that we become like him, not just look like him, but that looks are an expression of an inward change. So that's probably how we're going to have to leave this particular Psalm of David. We thank you for joining us on Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word series. We're going to keep chasing the Psalms of David throughout the book of Psalms and try to find a few other ones that we can explore a bit together with you. We thank you so much for joining us Mm. today. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com. Or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.